Good morning, Connection Point Church. How are you doing? Good. Y'all have evenly distributed yourself. We got the sides. Y'all are even. Let's just, from my perspective, I don't see this every time. Y'all are usually lopsided, and I just noticed that. Uh, quick announcement, most important thing of the day. Uh, my son right here just passed his driver's test and is getting his license. So uh, y'all pray for people on the streets and sidewalks. Just kidding. Uh, no, I'm very proud of him. And he just literally passed it like five minutes before we came in here. So I wanted to give him a shout out. Um, uh, so, I am very excited about this message today, um, but also it's a message kind of of, I want to say, repentance in that uh, my notes are on a Starbucks uh, napkin because I scrapped my sermon this week on uh, Monday because I really felt the Lord uh, convicting me that uh, I, we need to go a different direction today. We've been in a series called People of Impact, and we've been talking about, pos- uh, about doing some goals together, kind of unite the church, and I just really was convicted this week. And so I got a message uh, that has, God has put on my heart, and I'm excited that you are here um, because I believe it will um, be a powerful message to us as a church going forward. Um, one of our values as a church, uh, we call it our code sometimes, is that we um, are a people who take bold steps. We take bold steps. Now, uh, I don't know if you know much about organizations. Almost every organization has like all of these things. They have like a mission, they have a vision, they have values, they have all of these things. Do y'all have those at work and stuff like that? And you're like, nobody ever knows what their mission and what's the difference between their vision and all that. Well, let me tell you, our mission here, of what the overall thing we want to do with this church, we want to lead you from where you are to where God wants you to be. That's simple. Wherever you are in life right now, we want to leads you from there to where God wants you to be, and that's different for all of us. But how we do that, we, we do that, through, and here we do that through four things. We ask you to, to, we call them our four C's, and that's kind of what we do. We celebrate, connect, contribute, and commit. I preached on this a few weeks ago, the first of this. Um, but our culture of our organization, kind of who we are, that's our values, um, you could have two, a set of twins, two people that look exactly alike. They're different because of their values. They're different because of the characteristics. That's what the, the values are. And one of our values that we identified early on in this church is that we are a people who take bold steps. And what we mean by that is we want to be a people, we want to be a church who is always asking God to do something that if God doesn't show up, it won't get done. We want to be in a place of faith, and the way we know that God is moving is that we are taking a step of faith that if God doesn't show up, it won't happen. And I I desperately don't want us to be a church that we could kind of manufacture uh, the will of God and, hey, if God doesn't show up, ah, we'll be okay, you know. And I've been in churches, and you probably have too, that uh, I've been in, in, in some meetings where the pastor will call a group of people and, and we'll get a list of people and say, hey, I really want to do this thing and uh, we need to get these people on board and we'll kind of try to, we would manufacture these decisions and, and as we started this church, we never wanted to be in that place. We always wanted to be a place of, listen, if God is in this, then he's got to show up. He's got to show up. And so Early on, we've taken steps of faith. About four or five weeks into the start of our church, we ran out of money. We literally ran out of money. And I I stood up before our church and I just said, listen, 
I don't really know how we're going to get through this other than we've got to give more money. And, and our church gave more money, and, and we met budget that month. And that's just kind of we want to just have an honesty of this is where we are. This is what we're asking God to do. And if God shows up, man, awesome things are going to happen. Uh, we had Joey Williams. He was volunteering as our, our worship leader for the first few uh, months and uh, for the first year or so. And I really felt God telling us, to bring them on staff, but we were so small at the time as a church, we knew we couldn't afford to have two people on staff, but we took a step of faith, and for a little while, it, it was a step of faith. We, for a little while, we were bleeding money, and we were like, oh my gosh, but we knew God had called us to it, and you know what happened? God showed up, and, and we met our budget, and it was just exciting, and then we've had times where uh, our rates got, got increased when we were starting. We were meeting in a hotel, and I literally... One Sunday, got up and said, hey, y'all, I've got bad news. I have no idea where we're going to meet next, next week. And uh, I said, if you want to come to church next week, write your email down before you leave today, because I, I'm just going to have to email out where we're going to be meeting next week. And we met in a park because we didn't have a place, and we had our biggest attendance ever that next week at that time, and it was just a move of God. And so we said, you know what, we, we never want to lose that. We always want to make sure that whatever we're doing, it's because God is in our midst. And so the message I really want to end this series of People of Impact is, is I just want to talk about how, uh, people who have God in the midst. And I want to go back, and many of you weren't here when we first uh, moved into this space that we're in. And we did a series called Beyond, and we went through uh, the book of Joshua and the conquest from Israel taking uh, what's called the promised land, the, the land that God had promised. And we went all the way through the book, and I'm going to give us an overview today if you missed it. And I want to go back, and I just want to show you the key element of being a people of impact, a people of God. And I think it's a powerful principle for you. Um, and, and kind of the context of this is, in our church, if you're new uh, this space that we, we lease this space monthly, in other words, every month we pay a rent check, and we have been given our six-month notice that at the end of August, our lease is up and it's not going to be renewed, which means uh, we could stay in here longer, but we won't be under our contract after August. And so there's a lot of uncertainty, and uh, Rather than uh, have fear, I really wanted to, I get excited whenever there's uncertainty just because God shows up in those moments. But I wanted to take us back to the heart of God and what he's always been doing. And so I wanted to just walk you through how the Bible starts because some of us are unfamiliar. The Bible starts with God basically getting a man and a woman in a garden and saying, hey, I want to be with you guys, and then, uh, but I'm holy and so because I'm holy, I'm set apart. That's what that means, holy, set apart. Uh, I, want, uh, I want it to be in a relationship, but you can't sin, and the people sin. And so uh, that doesn't work. Just asking people to not sin apparently is not good enough for us, right? That's just me, okay? Y'all are perfect. I got it. Um, and so God comes up with this plan, and he, he, instead he said, I'm going to show the world how to be holy. I'm going to show them how to set them apart so that I can live in their midst. And the whole story of the Bible, that's it. It's God showing us how he can live in our midst. And so he calls Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and he takes a man, then he takes a family, and he kind of begins to grow it. And, and they come in Egypt, and they're, they're enslaved in Egypt. But I want you to understand 
the Egyptians in Egypt are not a nation, okay? Uh, or no, the Egyptians are a nation. The Israelites, the slaves in Egypt are not a nation. In fact, they are not even following God the way that you probably think. They are probably not monotheistic. They don't have one God. They're probably worshiping the Egyptian gods. They probably don't know everything that you think they know about God. They are just people who are enslaved in Egypt. And God brings them out. He saves them from that place. And he says to them, now I'm going to do what I said I was going to do from, from that guy, Abraham, your forefather. I'm going to make you a holy nation. Now, again, he tells them he's going to, but they're not a nation. To have a nation, you have to have three things, and this is still true today. A nation has to have a people, it has to have a place, and it has to have patterns or customs, okay? That's what makes a nation, okay? And so the first thing he does in the Old Testament, as he, in the, the first five books of the Bible, he begins to give them the people. Who are the people going to be? And, and they're going to be from this family tree, but they're not all from the family tree. This is something interesting. When you read the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Numbers, which we all read every day and everybody's excited about, in the book of Numbers, some interesting things happen. Uh, in Numbers 26 and in Numbers 37, or it might be 27 and 36, it's 27 and 36, uh, God actually takes some Canaanite cities, that is non-Israel, non-Jewish, non-Hebrew, he takes some of these cities and he says, uh, and the women of these cities come and say, hey, we want to be in this, we want to be a part of your people, and God says, you can be a part of our people, and God says, you can have an inheritance. And when we talk about the 12 tribes, if you've ever heard of the 12 tribes and he allots land for the 12 tribes, the, the people, uh, and some of you don't know what I'm talking about, just, just follow me. Um, he gives the Israelites land and some of those people are Canaanites. Some of those people are grafted in even before they're a nation. They're, they're just kind of saying, you can be, we're going to give you land as well, even though you weren't in Egypt, even though you weren't related to Abraham. There are these, these settlements, these cities that are, you're going to be part of the people. And then, so people, another thing that, that God says, you're also going to be, uh, you're going to have patterns. I'm going to tell you how to obey me. If you're going to be a part of this family, then you need to know how to obey. It's the same for in my family. If you're going to be a part of my, if you're going to live under my roof, you're going to do it, okay? God says that, okay? That's what God says. He says, if you want to be in this covenant, in this family, anyone can be it. It's not just for Jewish people. And from the beginning, before it was a nation, he grafted, he said, hey, even these cities that want to be a part can be a part. And all you've got to do is you've got to have faith. You've got to say, I'm going to trust Yahweh alone. I'm going to trust God alone. That's what he says. And this Can these Canaanite city says, we'll do that. Some of them said, we'll do that. And they're grafted in. They're allowed to be a part of the family. Well, how do we, well, how do we show our faith in God? Well, we're going to do these things. You're going to obey these commands. You're going to have these patterns. Okay, we'll do that. And God says, if you have the people with faith and you do these patterns, you obey in faith, well, then I'm going to give you a place of faith. And here's what's interesting. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, God talks about the land he's going to take them because they're not a nation. The first time he ever calls them a nation is Joshua chapter 4 when they actually cross into the, the promised land. Before that, it's always you will be a nation. You will be a holy nation. You will be. And, and then in, when they cross over, that's the first time it says the priest of the nation crossed over. So in Deuteronomy chapter 11, 
I'm going to have it on the screens here. There are three verses that I want us to see. And this is God preparing his people to go into this land. They haven't got into the land yet. But he's got these people. Some of them are related to Abraham, and some of them are what we would consider Hebrews or Jewish people. But understand, some of them are not. Some of them are, are not Jewish. Some of them are, were just there, and they saw God, and they said, hey, we want to follow that God. We will obey that God. And so the people in the, in the patterns said, we'll also want this place. This is what God said about the place. He said, you're going to go to this place, and, and the land that you are entering to take possession of is not like the land of Egypt, which you have come from, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it. Now, what's interesting about this is he, he, he reminds them, a lot of you came from Egypt, and you were slaves in Egypt, and you weren't, you're not a nation, you weren't following me, but when you were in Egypt... I could have left you in Egypt. I could have just, you know, made you take over Egypt. But I wanted to bring you out of Egypt, he said, because when you were in Egypt, you would sow your seed and you would irrigate it. Now, the word that, that for irrigate was actually irrigate by foot. It's by foot. You, you would sow your seeds by foot. You would water by foot, meaning that they could take their foot and literally drag their foot from the Nile River, and they could take it straight to their crops. They could get a, a pile of seeds. I'm not a farmer, you know. They could throw it down. They could dig a hole, whatever you do. And then they could go to the Nile River. They could dig a trench. And it didn't matter if there was a drought. It didn't matter what was going on. They could have food anytime simply because the Nile River was such a source of life. And God says, listen, where you're coming from, you, you, you could get your sustenance, your provision, anytime you want. But the land I'm taking you to is not like that land. He says in verse 11, the land you are going over to possesses hills and valleys, which drinks water by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from beginning of the year to the end of the year. This is what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to take you to a place that if you want your crops to grow, if you want to just live in this land, not only do you have to be a people seeking me, a people of faith, not only do you have to obey and, and, and have that faith, but the land itself, if you want to see the land uh, um, take hold in this land and live in this land, you've got to know that the rain is going to come by faith. The rain is going to come every time you eat. It's going to be because the Lord has blessed you. Because we are going to be a people of faith. We're going to follow patterns of faith. And we're going to live in a place of faith. And it was always faith. The commandments were about faith. The people were about faith. It wasn't just Jewish people. There were, from the beginning, there was anyone who wanted to follow God. And so what happens as they go to take possession of this land is we see this faith over and over again. I'm going to walk you through the first few chapters of Joshua, the conquest. I'm going to give you the abridged version, okay? So if you don't know the story, hopefully you'll know it. Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is the guy that takes over after Moses. Joshua is the guy that actually leads Israel into the promised land. And this land is what we know, uh, basically Israel now. Um, and, and when he's going in, in verse 1 of, chapter, of uh, Joshua chapter 1, God says that every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you just as I promised. And he says, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. He says, my presence is going to be with you you, okay? 
but he hasn't called him a nation yet. So as they're walking towards the Jordan River, which is the boundary, that's going to be the going into the promised land. Joshua chapter 1, God says, I'm going to be with you when you go in this land. Have faith. Joshua chapter 2, he sends some spies into a place called Jericho, and uh, they find a Canaanite prostitute, that is a non-Hebrew prostitute, the least likely person in this city of Jericho to, that God would use, and that's who he chooses, okay? Because she has faith, and her faith, she decides, I'm going to be, uh, I want to be in the people of God, and, and it doesn't matter that she's a prostitute, it doesn't matter that she's a Canaanite. What happens is God uses her and says, okay, if you're the people place, we'll let you live in the land, okay? And so they come back, the spies come back, and they say, hey, it looks pretty good. I think we can do this. God has brought, he, it was just like God said, well, let's do this. So Joshua chapter three and four takes a while for the nation. This, I mean, for the people, it's a big people cross the Jordan River, okay? They cross the Jordan River. They're standing with their, you know, their rears to the Jordan River. They're just barely on it. They're not in the land yet. They're just barely there. And then God says, I want to do a couple of things. First of all, I want you to get some rocks out. I want you to remember, this is all about faith. God has done this. God has allowed you to cross the Jordan River. And then in chapter four, at the end of chapter four, for the first time, he says, you're now a nation. You're in the land. You're a people of faith. You know the commands of faith, but now you're in the place of faith. You're in what I promised. So you've got the people, place, and the patterns. And so this is it. Let's do this. Joshua chapter five, though, right before they go to fight, they're going to have to fight these battles in the city. Joshua tells all the men... If you're a, a man in here, this, is, this would probably be you. You'd be a fighting age man. Joshua says, now remember, we're going to have faith when we do this. And God says, I need all of the men to take a step forward. So they all take a step forward. And he says, I just got to remind you that one of the patterns we have in this nation is that we circumcise all of our men. And so all of a sudden, all the men are like, what? And if you don't know what circumcision is, you're going to need to look it up, do a little research, okay? But all the men circumcise themselves before they go into battle, okay? And so, if you're a man, you've got to be asking some questions. Is this the best strategy we have to go into the land, God? I don't know if this, but God says this is what we're going to do because we're people of faith. We have patterns of faith. Even if they're unusual, that's a pattern of faith. That's something that that's what my people do. And, um, that's one of the things that you show your faith is you're going to obey the patterns. You're going to set yourself apart. So they do that, and they take a few days off before they go into the land, okay? And Joshua goes up onto a mountain, and he just wants to look. He's got some days off, and he meets a man of the Lord. In fact, when I was in Israel, I took a picture of the mountain that this supposedly happened on, and, and you can see there's a, a place where... I thought we were going to have... The, no, okay. Anyway, so... We were, uh, there we go, right there. You see the point in the middle? It's the highest point. It overlooks um, Jericho. That's the place where supposedly uh, this happened, where Joshua goes there. And as he goes there, a man meets him and, and, and Joshua says, are you our enemies? In other words, he's in the land and he's already got the mindset of, hey, I'm in the land. This is my land. Are you the enemies? And God said, I'm not for you or against you. I'm for the Lord. And he reminds him, this isn't your land. This is whoever has a heart for God, who has faith in God and is going to obey God. That's whose land this is. And so Joshua sees this and, uh, and he says, okay, well then let's go back down. And, he's, and he goes back to his people and he tells them, let's go fight. 
And these guys literally probably limp into this battle, okay? I don't know how long it takes to heal, but it's probably not happened fully yet. And they go in thinking, how are we going to win this battle? And God says, here's what we're going to do on this battle. We're going to circle it. And we're going to circle the city. Joshua didn't win the battle of Jericho. God won the battle of Jericho. And so they do it. The walls come tumbling down and they're all celebrating and they take this prostitute out and she becomes part. She comes, becomes part of the lineage of Jesus. She becomes part of the nation of Israel. She becomes part of the, uh, the people of God. And then they take one of the men, the Jewish, the Hebrew men, man that sinned and didn't follow the pattern and they kick him out and they kill him. Why kick him out? They killed him. And, and they, they said, you are not a person of faith. You did not trust in God. And the person who did, even though she wasn't a Hebrew, she's in because it's, it's about faith. And then the next thing they do is they test God. They're celebrating Jericho and they see the next city. The next city is called Ai or Ie. We don't know exactly. And rather than call upon God like they did in Jericho. And by the way, I want to show you something. Here's a picture of Jericho. Uh, Here's a picture of me and John at Jericho. I'll show you this. Uh, Me and John Williams went to Jericho and when we were there, uh, we got to see this city. You can see the city behind us. There's a closer picture of this. The city of Jericho is only six uh, acres big, okay? It's the size of two and a half Walmarts to put it in Texas for us, okay? Um, they could have taken this at any time. They could have taken this city, okay? It was not a miracle that they won this city. Uh, that, and so they go to the city of Ai, i.e., And it's smaller than Jericho. And they say to themselves, well, let's just do this. They send spies in and they go up and then they just, they come back and they say, we can do this. Let's just, it's easier in Jericho. They go down and they get routed. They get kicked by the tail and they have to run back and they come back to God and they're like, what happened? You see, they begin to think God is a vending machine. God is just somebody who'll do whatever we want whenever we want. But God always intended his people to be a people of faith, following patterns of faith in a place of faith. And so even as I prepared this message and thought about our next location, I began to realize the the idea behind this series is we were going to set some goals today. And we were going to um, encourage you to, you know, how much can you give, set a giving goal, set uh, how much could you invite. And we were going to this, and I got convicted that we were just simply doing the same thing that we were instructed not to. We were just trying to wash, rinse, repeat, you know what I mean? And just go through the motions of, hey, we figured this out. We know how to raise money. We know how to make this. And so I was very convicted about this. And so God put it on my heart that this Sunday, I just want to be honest with you. I, want to, I just want to take some time to where we can, can focus on the faith of the way, where this church is going. If it's your first time here, I think this is a great day for you to be here. I'm going to invite our elders uh, to come up here. Um, and I'm going to invite Joey Williams, also our worship pastor, um, up here. And I want you to, to, I want to just have these guys up here. And I want you to know kind of just our heart and the faith of what we're trying to do. Um, as I preached the first message of this series, I preached it uh, on the habits of this church. We do four things is all, is all we've ever really committed to in this church. Celebrate, connect, contribute, and 
commit. Some of y'all are here. Some of y'all paid attention, okay? We've got four things. If we celebrate, that means if we come to church every single week, then, and praise God, if we connect in groups and connect and minister to one another and just help one another, love one another, if we contribute the stuff that we have, the, the talents, the treasures, the time that we have, we serve, we give. If we're giving people, and then if we commit to daily disciplines, if we commit to seeking God in prayer, fasting, whatever he calls us to, if we commit as individuals to, hey, we want to be people seeking the heart of God. If we just do those four things, we don't need to do anything else. I do think we need to add an invite, like because inviting is, and so I thought about adding a fifth C of carrying your friend into the church or collecting was suggested or capture them was another one and pull them into church. Uh, but we want to invite people to come along and be a part of what God is doing in our lives in this church. And so what I want to do in the next uh, few minutes, uh, the remaining time here, is I just want you to hear our hearts and to be clear on uh, where we are in our location, search for our location. And, and I want to leave here with you knowing where we're going, knowing what the few next uh, few months and years look like as far as we know. And I want just you to, to have full trust in knowing if you have questions, you can come to us and ask that we're not trying to manipulate anything in this church or hide anything. Um, if you're not a part of this church, we want you to do two or three things, ABCs. We want you to accept Jesus. We think that uh, life is better with Jesus and Jesus makes life better. And so we really think that... Uh, the first thing we want everyone to do is accept Jesus. We want you to be baptized uh, and believe in Jesus and be baptized. That's just the, the first thing Jesus told us to do is get baptized. If you believe in me, get baptized. So we do that. And then connect at a church. And we always tell people in our starting point, if it's not this church, connect at a church. You need to be in a church. But in this church, we just want you to do those, those four C's. We want you to come to church and all that. And so I want to start off by just asking our elders. This is Phil Collins. This is John Williams. This is Joey uh, Williams. And my brother, Jeremy Halpin, is also an elder here. Uh, he uh, took his son to get stitches this morning, so he is not with us right now. Um, but he would be up here as well. And I just want to ask, start off by letting these guys speak a little bit and say, uh, the question I want to ask is, what's an example that, that connected you with this church that made you realize this is a church of faith, uh, this is... Where was an example of something you've seen God do that we couldn't have done without him being a part of our church? Um, I, I joined the church um, and when it pretty much first started. We were there one of the first weeks, um, and at that point, Joel was the only one on staff, um, you know, meeting at a hotel, coming in there, just trying to see what it, where this place, this church was going. And then over the years, uh, a couple years later, Joey came on staff. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, they are the only two people on staff here at this church, but this church operates like it has just, it has God. <laughs> like it, we, we go, we go and tell people about Jesus all around the world. We reach the community with the clothing closet and things like that. And so where God has showed up is he's used people like uh, Joel and Joey who've committed to the, who are committed to the ministry and committed to us here at Connection Point Church to lead you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And it's God, though, that has given us everything that we need. We, we don't have the biggest budget. We don't have the, the, the best this or the best that. What we have is God, who, is, who we can lean on, and we know that he is the one that's, that makes things great. He's the great, he's great God, and we want to be used. So you as volunteers at this church, you have allowed God to use you 
And that's where God has shown up is uh, by giving us uh, what we need, when we need it, and the people that we need. Mm-hmm. Janet and I, my wife Janet and I, started <clears throat> when we were two doors over at the, uh, where the grocery store is right now. And uh, it's a smaller space, but shortly thereafter, we made a commitment as a body to move over here to this larger space. And what was exciting at the time is we needed the funds and we needed the volunteers. But to join as a community of, of believers and things, and after church, put on your work clothes, come down here, build this place out. And uh, it was an exciting time. It was exciting uh, corporately, but also very personally to see that we were investing in this, continuing to invest in this neighborhood. And then furthermore, on a personal level, uh, one of the C's is the commitment that we have. Janet and I took on a couple of years ago um, the Young Marrieds and uh, just a group of five couples that um, investing in our lives, and you'd think we're doing that to better their lives, but in finding out, it builds tremendously in ourselves, in that commitment and realizing um, just how much, even after 35 years, you can continue to learn and grow in that promise of God and what it is. So um, just that's two quick portions of the C's about how this church has been a uh, uh, just a building block in our lives. So when I think about how stories of seeing God show up through our church, one of the... Um, First things I think of is is when we started the church. A lot of you guys may not know that when we started, uh, we we launched meeting every Sunday over at the Hyatt Place Hotel in North Garland, just just down the road, a few minutes. But uh, there was very few people that were were a part of our church at that point. And we launched in February, and I believe it was either late February or early March, kind of right around this time of year. We had there was a Sunday where it was uh, just icy icy conditions. Everything was frozen. And we honestly didn't know if anybody was going to show up to the church that Sunday. Um, we, we went, we, we had a setup team that got there at 5.30 a.m. probably. We, we went, went ahead and set up for church and just prayed that, that God would bring some people. Um, and I think it was our lowest Sunday to date. Um, that Sunday, we, we had I think around 30 people, Joel said, um, total with kids and volunteers, everything. I mean, there was maybe five people in our That might have been the restaurant or the hotel staff too. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it was very low Sunday. But what's awesome is just seeing God uh, bring people. We spent months and months handing out flyers at apartments and parking lots and just telling people about our church. And we saw, have seen, continue to see God just just bring people to our church time and time again. And so just showing God's, God's provision over time. And so what I want to, um, to do, and I want these guys up here just so you'll know that, uh, I mean, we're unified and you can ask any of us at any time. We don't have secrets really in this church. We want this to be a church where you know what we're thinking, you know our hearts, and if you have questions, you can ask us. We'll tell you what we know, and we'll tell you also what we're, you know, the things that we're thinking. Um, but we want, to, you, we want to do this to fill in the gaps of, of what's going on. We want you to be able to, um, to fill in those gaps, not with... Uh, uncertainty, but we want to give you just a, a, some certainty of what, of what we do know, um, because it's, it's natural to fill in the gaps with either the best case scenario 
of, hey, we're going to get a you know, $15 million building and we're going to all have uh, thrones we sit on. And I don't know what, you know, <laughs> no one thinks that. But, uh, or it's going to be worst case scenario, hey, on August 31st, we're just going to pack up shop and be done. I, don't, I want to fill in the gaps and let you know, hey, uh, I've used the language and I now see it's probably the wrong language. I've been saying, uh, hey, we have this six-month window and uh, we see the edge of the cliff. We got to be prepared for the edge of the cliff. It's not really a cliff. There's, there's paths all around. And so uh, even in uncertainty, we've got a way forward. And we really think, um, we, I mean, we know God's going to do something awesome. We just want to be clear about how we're going to go about making these decisions. And so there's really three different uh, phases we've been in. We've been looking for a long-term solution. We've been considering in, interim solutions. And then we're going to be prepared for short-term solutions. And so I just want to let you know all of the cards that are on the table and what we're kind of the process we've gone through. We've spent most of the time up until now looking for our long-term solution. That is, we are meeting with banks, we're getting our finances in order, we're trying to raise money uh, so that we can, we would love to buy land or buy a building, okay? And so we have been looking at property. Some of y'all have been sending us, have you looked at this space? All that we, we look at, every single one of those gets, uh, we look at and we see if it's feasible, okay? We have a location team. Uh, many of them are in here right now. If you're on the location team, just raise your hand. I can't even see. So uh, we've got uh, members of the location team in here, and that uh, um, it's been awesome how much they have added to. Uh, they're not disbanding or anything. No matter what happens, we're going to continue to search for our long-term solution. And up until this process, that's where all of our focus has been. Um, we have looked at properties in Saxe and Wiley, all over. Basically, we have a triangle between 190, 544. And 78, if you know those roads, those are um, around, in and around, okay? But that's the general sphere we've been looking. That's not promising you exactly where we're going to be, but that's where we've been looking. Um, now, as we've gotten to this point, we're kind of at the six months, we've, we've also began to say, well, let's make sure we have an interim plan. That is, if we don't exactly have the land we're going to buy, and uh, we know right now that uh, we probably don't have enough money, and we're not, um, unless God provides it for us, we probably are going to be prepared for an interim solution, okay? Interim would be, well, when we get to August, let's have uh, something prepared for the next one or two years. If we need to continue growing and, and we don't have the permanent solution, what are we going to do for the next, uh, can we continue to rent monthly somewhere? We know it won't be in this space, but is there somewhere we can rent monthly so that we can continue all of the weekly. Uh, we have Wii School, we have um, uh, the closet, we've got things that happen up here. And we, our priority is we want to continue those as, you know, if it's any way feasible, that's what we want to do. And so we've already, uh, we, we were working to make sure that if there is anything available to lease, whether it's a standalone building or uh, we've looked at shopping centers, there are no, the, the economy is, is good right now. And there's no space like this. There's just not an 11,000 square foot building that's uh, going for a third of the cost it should be going <laughs> anymore. This was a move of God, okay? And so our next move of God is going to be the same thing. But we're looking for that interim as well right now. We're seeing, is there an interim space for us? The next uh, kind of phase of this is we're going to, right now we're in a process of, we've, we've brought a company in, uh, Service Realty, and they're looking and putting together a, uh, our loan package. We also have our location team doing this to where we are having our finances evaluated so that in the next couple of weeks, we'll have a better picture of 
what type of loan we could secure and what our options will be long-term and interim. Uh, and so in the next two or three weeks, we hope to be able to have a very clear picture of, oh, we're probably going long-term, we're probably going to be able to do this. But if we get to about June, uh, middle of June, early June, somewhere, and we don't have uh, our long-term solution um, ready to go, or we don't have an interim, we're going to be prepared for short-term solutions. Short-term meaning what we call portable, okay? Now, how many of y'all have been with this church when we were portable, okay? So some of you are like, oh, okay, I know what that means. Some of you, that's exciting. Some of you, that's not so exciting, okay? Uh, the rest of you, that means we actually, when we've been in hotels, we've been, you know, or a school what, or something where we only rent the time we're there. We rent weekly, and we just, when we need to use space, we pay for the space then. Uh, the cool thing is it's cheap. Uh, we'll save money, be able to put it towards our, our location or whatever, or fund our vision. Uh, also, it allows us to get in the space. We really want to make a move into the space where we will be uh, where we can put roots into a community. Uh, we've never really felt like an East Plano church because uh, it just we, we haven't been able to integrate into the city functions the way that we envision a lot of those things. We really want uh, our location to be a place where we become a city church and that we can put roots down um, and be integral to the life. And so uh, that provides that. Now, our hope is that if we go portable, if we go short-term, that it's three to six months is our hope, and that we've got the long-term solution in the works. But apparently, you can't just take money and buy land and say, I'm going to put a building. Apparently, like the city wants to like, sign off on stuff. Apparently, you have to have like pipes and stuff going to those buildings, and all of these things take longer than sometimes six months, okay? And so, our, it could be that we have go to a short-term solution, but we've got the long-term solution in the works, or we've got the interim solution in the works, okay? And if we go to a short-term solution without that, our priority will continue to be we want to find that as soon as possible, okay? And all of that to say, uh, I want you to know, rather than trying to manufacture, hey, these goals, this and that, I just want us to still be our church and do what what God has called us to do. Let's show up on Sundays. Let's celebrate God. Let's connect and let's invite people to come connect with us. Let's continue to give generously, whether that's your money, whether that's uh, your time uh, or anything that you, you have. Give it to God and then let's see God multiply it and seek God every day. That's what we want for you. That's what we want for this church. Um, and we're going to have the faith that as we long-term is going to give itself to us, and it might give us this week, that'd be great. It might be that we have to prepare for the path, and then right as we're you know, going portable, God says, hey, here's your, here's your building, and I was just tricking y'all, ha-ha. But uh, it could be that we walk this path, and that we, we have a story that all of us are like, I remember when we had to go back into a school for three months, and man... It was, it was hard, we didn't know, but God builds that of faith into us, okay? All I, I want you to know is that this is an awesome church, and I, in moments like these and this uncertainty, if you want certainty, this is probably not the church for you, because we always want to be in a place where we are trusting God to move, and that's how a lot of our lives are, and that's exactly how God has moved for us, and so what we're going to do um, for the rest of this time, our time here, is I want to invite the band up here.
And we really wanted to just, uh, um, and John, you step here. In fact, uh, do you have the, does he have the mic? I'm going to have John pray. Uh, I just want to spend some time as a, as a church, uh, whether you're new here or whether you're a member here, we're going we're gonna to sing and praise together. And we're going to sing uh, a few songs and really just do what God has called us to do. And that is we're going to praise God for being faithful to us. And we're going to be faithful people. We're going to obey him faithfully, and we are going to trust that we will have a place that's going to let us um, exercise our faith as well. So I'm going to uh, just have John pray, and then I want to encourage you guys just to stand up. If you've got stuff in your own uh, lives that you need to, to pray for, you can use this time not just to sing and praise God, but also to pray. I'm going to be up here on the front row. I would love if you want to come pray for me or pray with me, if you need me to pray for you. Let's just spend this time praying for one another and praising God, knowing that God's going to move. All right. If y'all would stand with me. Father, we humbly come before you. And um, just as the uh, your people uh, were brought up out of Egypt and wandered for many years, yet we find that uh, they didn't know the path sought to seek you out and just as they were standing on the other side of the Jordan we stand at uh, uh, purposes today yet we seek your will and we trust that, uh, that we will you will find us as a faithful people committed to you and celebrate your victories yet we just uh, right now want to lift this time up as worship and praise to you and uh, reflection of what you have brought us through through the years and then of course celebration to what you will have for the years ahead yet we just um, give you the honor and the praise in all these things we ask in Jesus Christ